Section 5 of Sermons to Children by Sabine Baring Gould. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Sermon 5. Willfulness. Lent. St. John, Chapter 5, Verse 30. I seek not mine own will. The Irish peasants have a superstition about a spirit, which they call the Fuca. The story they tell of it is this. It takes the form of a young horse and lies down on the grass near where children are playing. When the children see it, they go up to it and look at the animal. It appears most gentle. They pat it, and it seems pleased with their caresses. Then one or two of the boldest get on its back, whereupon the fuca rises and trots once or twice gently up and down with its load, and the riders are delighted. Then, all at once, it bounds over the hedge and dashes away with them, uphill and down dale. They have no bit and rein to hold it in. On it tears to a headland and plunges with them over a precipice. Some hours after, the children are found there dashed to pieces. I believe we have got a wicked, mischievous spirit like the Fuca in England, which lures children to mount it, and when it has got them on its back, carries them off headlong to ruin. But the name we give that spirit in English is self-will. A very deceptive, alluring spirit it is. It looks so gentle, so easily manageable. It is so small, so innocent, and so playful. There can be no harm mounting it. But if we get on its back without bridle in our hands and bit in its mouth, at once it becomes the master. When you mount a horse without a bridle, then the horse goes where it likes and carries you where it chooses. But if it has a bit in its mouth, and you know how to manage a bridle, then you make the horse go where you like, and carry you where you choose. Very well. The will is like a horse. Either you or your will must be master. One of the first things a child has to learn is to ride his self-will with a bridle. His hold on it may not at first be very strong, nor his seat be very firm. He gets run away with now and then, and thrown off once or twice. But in the long run, if he persists and tries hard, and is kept to it, he masters self-will, and can trot, or canter, or gallop it through life with great comfort to himself, and without doing mischief to anyone else. When you grow up without discipline, and are allowed to have everything your own way, and do just what you like, and are given what you want, whether it be good or bad for you, then you are riding self-will without a bridle, and after having trotted easily round and round the field of childhood with you for a while, away it will go over the hedge into manhood, and carry you where it wills, and must certainly bring you to ruin of body and soul. As children, you are often called upon to do that which you do not like, to give up your own way, to yield to the wishes of others, to submit where you would like to rule. At first, no doubt, this drives tears into the eyes. The horse self-will does not like the bit in its mouth, it teases and hurts him, and he would get it out if he could. But after a while you find it easier to yield to the will of others. You do not murmur and talk, but cheerfully give way. The horse self-will is getting accustomed to the bit, and you to use the rein. In time you will be an expert rider. I dare say some of you know what it is to be on the back of self-will without a bridle. You have let the bridle fall from your hands, and you are no more master of your steed. Now what happens when, for a whole day, you go where self-will chooses? You will not yield to your brothers and sisters, or playfellows. If they wish one thing, you wish the reverse, and so you quarrel, and then come angry words and fighting. 
Have you gone into a paddock after a pony and tried to catch him? You go one way, and immediately he goes another way. You get close up to him, and then he turns his head and gallops off to the other end of the field. He will not come when you want him, and he will go where you do not want him. So it is with the unbridled will. It is perverse, and delights in going contrary to the will of others. You have your way, and cause your parents annoyance. They say, what a willful, fractious child this is. It will not do what it is told, and it is not happy doing its own will. That is true. You are not happy in having your own way in everything. You have not spent a happy day, and when you lay your head down on your pillow, you are discontented with everyone, everything, and even with your own self. When you grow up to be a man or woman, you cannot have your own way. Society will not allow you to do exactly what you like, any more than the law will allow any man to tear through the streets of London on a horse without bit and bridle. For just as a man on a runaway horse will knock down, hurt, and perhaps kill people in the streets, so a man on runaway self-will will become a general nuisance in society. If you attempt, when grown up, to ride self-will without a bit, you will get plenty of blows and suffer a great deal, undergo hard speeches, reprimands, rebuffs, and if you persevere, self-will will dash you to destruction. Have you read, in old Roman history, of the horse Sejanus? That was a horse which apparently brought misfortune to every man who mounted him. First he belonged to the council, Nagus Sejanus, from whom he got his name. The council had his head cut off six months after he had mounted the horse. Then the beast became the property of Dolabella, who gave a huge sum of money for him. Before the year was out, Dolabello was murdered by rebels in Ypres. His next owner was Caius Cassius, who, with his wife and children, was speedily put to a cruel death. Then Sejanus passed into the stable of Mark Antony, who gave for it double the sum paid by Dolabella. Two months after, Mark Antony died by his own hand. Then the horse became the property of a man named Negrus. This man rode him one day into the river Marathon to swim him across but the current was so strong that Negrus was swept out of the saddle and drowned. After that, Sejanus was thought to be such an unlucky horse that no one would buy him at any price. Self-will is quite as unlucky a horse as Sejanus. You can understand for yourselves that half a dozen persons cannot live together in the same house, each doing his own will without regard to the wishes of others. This household would break up directly. The father, the mother, the children, the servants— all seeking to follow their own devices, irrespective of the well-being of the family, what could it end in but confusion? The world, you will find out as you grow older, and have to go out into it, is constituted much like a family. It is a household on a large scale. You will find in it that no one can follow his own devices without consideration of others. If he attempts to do so, he will get hard knocks, and be taught by bitter experience that he must give way to the wishes of his fellows." This is the lesson every man must learn, and the only question is, when shall he learn it, in childhood or in mature years? If learned in childhood, then he goes out into life with the advantages of having acquired this all-important lesson. If he has not learned it in childhood, then his schooling takes place in manhood. It is unpleasant to have to learn this in childhood, but it is infinitely more painful to be taught it in manhood. In childhood the lesson is impressed upon you with a great deal of forbearance and patience, and much is forgiven you because of your youth. But in mature years you will not meet with forbearance. 
Society will jostle and thrust you about impatiently. It will have no forbearance with you. How comes this audacious fellow to give himself these airs, it will say? He ought to have learned his place and his duties as a child. Now he must suffer for his neglected education, and you are kicked away or trampled underfoot. I have only shown you how necessary it is for you to learn to control the steed self-will, how you must learn to do so in your own interest, how sorely you will be punished if you allow it to run away with you. But there is another reason why you should try to keep self-will under and bring it into subjection. And that reason is because you are Christians, following Jesus, copying his most perfect example. Did he show self-will? Far from it. He said he was come into the world not to do his own will, but the will of him that sent him. Instead of going quietly and comfortably home from Jerusalem with his mother and Joseph as they returned to Nazareth, he remained in the temple, hearing the doctors and asking them questions. He did so, as he told Mary, because he was about his heavenly father's business. When he went about preaching and performing miracles, it was not to do his own will, but to fulfill the will of God. Though I am contented to do it, thy law is in my heart. When he suffered the agony in the garden, his human will desired escape from the terrible death on Calvary. But then he at once said, Thy will, not mine, be done. You have Christ's pattern to imitate. Then, try, then, to be true Christians by conquering your self-will and becoming masters of it, so that you may be able to yield to the wishes of others. And if you have it in subjection, you need not fear, but you will be able so to direct it that it shall also be conformed to the will of God. The will that resists the human wills of fellow men will resist the divine will of God. But the will that yields to the wills of other men will fulfill on earth the will of God as it is fulfilled by the angels in heaven. End of section 5